Hi everyone. In this episode, User Testing's Chief Operating Officer, Josh Maltz, talks with Craig Nishisaki from UpTop about how to get executive buy-in for experienced research. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing, where we bring you candid conversations and stories with the thinkers, doers, and builders behind some of the most successful digital products and experiences in the world, from concept to execution. Welcome to the Insights Unlocked podcast, recording live at User Testing's The Human Insights Summit. And joining us today as host is Josh Maltz, User Testing's Chief Operating Officer. Welcome, Josh. Hi, everyone. Great to be here, Nathan. And our guest today is Craig Nishizaki, Head of Business Development at UpTop, a UX consultancy based here in Seattle. Craig leads UpTop's business development team and is responsible for new account acquisition and account development across a portfolio of clients including Amazon, Everbridge, F5, and Microsoft. Welcome to the show, Craig. Thank you. Nice to be here. To tee up our conversation, we asked UX researchers and the user testing contributor network their thoughts on the challenges with getting executive buy-in on customer insights. Here's what they said. What are some of the challenges with getting executive buy-in on customer insights and UX research? Because they've already got quite a firm idea in their mind. I would say that that's the point where it's a little bit of a challenge where perhaps it's not really, it's not necessarily what they want to hear or they hope to hear. The other thing I can think of is because UX research is quite a small group and because it's you know qualitative research, there's such a focus in my company in terms of like, what's the parent, what's the revenue opportunity here? You know, can you quantify that? Sometimes there's a bit of urgency with certain features and um, there's stakeholders that would like to bypass UX research just, in, just to save time and get things to market quicker. Excellent to see the, those highlights. And really it conveys to me the challenges that we're having in connecting the dots to business value from experience. And I, I'm curious, Craig, after watching the video, what, what were your thoughts? Um, in watching the video, I think um, one of the challenges is um, uh, as a as an individual contributor uh, on a team, getting too tactical too soon instead of um, trying to understand the language or convey the language of business and stay at that higher level and really understand what they're trying to accomplish through the research and using the research as the method or the tool to help suss out that insight. So I thought that was interesting that the uh, the folks that, that answered the question. Um, so, yeah. And I, I'm... I'm curious what you said about the individual contributor connecting to a team and, and ultimately connecting higher in an organization. What do you find with your clients are, are means to connecting the dots there at the yeah. different layers of the organization? That's a great question. I think um, I don't want to I don't want to stereotype or, or put people into a box. But what we've seen in different organizations, we work with a lot of mid to large size enterprises. And um, if they have um, a smaller uh, research team, let's say an individual or maybe two spread across multiple different um, teams or different initiatives, um, oftentimes um, those folks are basically being told, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, how can we do this? And they start thinking about it tactically, um, the methods, the process, or, or the, the, the study that, that they're going to perform. And in a lot of cases, may even lose sight of what the ultimate goal is. And I think taking a step back and just asking the question, you know, what's the business's goal in all this? And what's the real pain point that we're trying to understand? Um, 
I think is helpful. And, you know, in a lot of ways, being an outside consultant is helpful um, because you don't have to be the person that knows all the answers when you're walking in, in terms of context. And so it gives you a chance to ask questions and be a little bit more curious. Um, so. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that consultative mindset a- absolutely un- unlocks doors. Appreciate that perspective. Um, so although leaders in UX outperform the market, getting executive buy-in is consistently challenging. Um, so wanting to know top of mind for you, why is that? And related to this, who, who in the organization should be involved in getting that executive buy-in? That's a great question. Um, you know, from just from doing this, from being in the in the uh, industry for a while and seeing the patterns, it's typically um, culture uh, or mindset and bias. If you think about it in those groupings, so culture-wise, um, are they innovative culture or are they efficiency-driven culture? Um, if they're innovative or innovation-oriented, then they're more interested or open to experimentation and ideation and um, looking for different. Um, uh, insights perhaps if they're efficiency driven oftentimes they're looking to cut costs or cut time frames to deliver and uh, a lot of times those are engineering driven organizations and you'll hear things like well let's get it out there let's ship and then we'll test later and the challenge there oftentimes is you've spent this time and effort to build something uh, and test it later and it misses the mark um, and and then from a mindset perspective are they open-minded or closed-minded in terms of the individuals that you're talking to and and the that are part of the the initiative, um, from a from a buyer perspective, right? From my perspective, if I'm trying to sell um, UX services or, or research to them, um, it's really thinking about or identifying um, if they're closed-minded. Uh, do they do they need to be the smartest person in the room, um, or are they open-minded in terms of looking for other insights and looking for ideas that'll help them move the ball uh, or move the needle? And then uh, thirdly is the bias or the point of view uh, they have. And um, this is more nuanced. I think a lot of times you'll hear it as, um, you know, we, we've identified all the problems. We just need some help um, thinking through how we would um, execute on a solution. Or um, we have all the requirements in the BRD. And if you have any questions, you can ask me, right? Um, and underlying all that, if you think about it, what they're saying is, you know, research is going to cost money, it's going to take time, and we're going to find out what we already know. And I think that that bias, if you can identify it, then you can start helping them reframe their their point of view uh, in the process. Now that was that was really powerful, particularly the um, your comments around culture and bias. And I, I'm curious, in, in your engagements with customers, do you frequently see an evolution where you enter an engagement where it, it is almost as you're describing, where there's a hypothesis they're very much wanting to move forward with, but through your approach, you're able to unlock some fresh perspectives? That's a great question. Um, you know, a great example would be we have a, a client that's been with us a number of years and he's um, moved uh, organizations and in as he's had opportunities to go from a director level to a CMO level. And uh, initially when we worked with him uh, at Microsoft, there was uh, was when Microsoft was shifting from a field selling organization to an inside sales uh, digital inside sales organization. And they needed to create a platform to onboard train and enable up to six thousand salespeople worldwide. 
And when we first started doing the envisioning work with them, uh, we didn't have the opportunity to speak to any end users, any sellers. Um, it was all stakeholder driven. And, and, and part of that was because of a compressed time frame. Part of it was just culture at the time. Um, but once we um, got that initial prototype out and they had a chance to test it with end users and saw the power of getting their feedback and understanding um, what worked and what didn't work. Um, ever since that time, every project we've worked on, every initiative um, from envisioning how uh, enterprise organization would uh, work with a new market, like a SMB market, uh, or how they would reimagine um, their uh, product offerings after a merger and acquisition or an acquisition, you know, how the products would be positioned as a solution or a product in their portfolio, things like that. Every single time uh, he said, we need to do some research. And so I think once you see insights and value, you can't unsee it. And so then you say, we need to do that more. Uh, and you see the value in the investment. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I, I like the the notion of we need to do it more once you receive that proof point. Um, very powerful. So um, I guess from the video and uh, you know, reflecting for myself on what I've frequently hear, back from the field at user testing is that, you know, one of the challenges to getting that executive buy-in is connecting it back to business goals and the metrics executives care most about. How how do you see teams can do a better job of, of connecting to those metrics and those, those business values? Yeah. Um, I think you have to start by thinking about it from their perspective, right? It's um, you know, what's the real business goal? What's the real problem they're trying to solve? Um, what have they tried so far? You know, asking these questions, you know, doing the research before you do the research, if you will, um, and um, understanding their personal motivation. And really, uh, it boils down to, in a lot of cases, how did they get their bonus? You know, to be able to really reframe the conversation so that they understand it, right? The value of doing this work. And not just research, but also, um, you know, design, the design process, uh, prototyping, uh, concept testing, things like that, um, not just the upfront uh, research of it. And then, you know, for us, um, where we've seen the most impact, what we believe is, um, and this is where some people may disagree, but um, most companies focus on customer delight as their, as their metric for CX or for even for UX. And we, I would argue that reducing friction and eliminating friction is really where we should focus because those moments of reducing friction ultimately then generate that delight. And so if you think about it, customer delight, according to Gartner and, and CEB, only happens 16% of the time, but increases the operating cost by 10 to 20%. If you think about... Uh, reducing friction to, to get to that end state of delight, right? Ultimately, um, the two biggest reasons you think of that um, delight is so hard to achieve is um, people want their basic needs met, right? At, with minimal effort at whatever stage in the journey they are. And people have different definitions of delight and different um, expectations based on where they're on the journey. And so if your goal is to hit to meet the delight mark, how do you actually do that effectively? Whereas if you could identify moments in the customer journey that are causing friction and then test those and improve those and iterate those along the way, 
you can have a bigger impact on the overall user experience and ultimately the customer experience, I think. So when we think about metrics, we start, you know, working from the end and working backwards um, or thinking about the end, end goal and working backwards, the desired future state and working backwards. And to do that, you have to understand who it is that's going to be using this and what's the biggest problem they have, right, and all that. And, you know, as we're reframing the conversation for the executive to think about those metrics, um, so I don't know if that answered your question wholly, but that kind of gives you my point of view on where to focus. It it does, and, I, and I'm interested to go maybe a layer deeper on um, the idea of uncovering those those moments of friction. Uh, is this something that that is measurable? Is it truly subjective? What what do you think are the best approaches for identifying moments of friction? Um, I don't think it's subjective. Um, I think you know if you're thinking about an overall uh, strategy for uh, improving customer experience or user experience, you have to have the voice of the customer. You have to have uh, the journeys, customer journey map, the buyer journey all the way through the customer journey, uh, end to end, and then the personas and. I think for a lot of organizations, those things become artifacts that are stuck on the shelf and collect dust. And what they need to do be is living entities that get reviewed and iterated upon as things change. And, you know, as I was mentioning, a great example would be a company goes through an acquisition uh, of a product or another company. And how now does that impact who it is that's using the product and how they use it? Does it add new personas? Does it change the buyer journey in terms of what they need, uh, what they feel is important for them to make a decision to the next step, and then how you support it? And so, um, yeah, those. That's. Uh, I don't know if there's an actual metric that I would be able to call out, um, but it, I don't think it's subjective. Well, I think that the idea that you raised, where it is this ongoing almost like a living organism <laughs> over time as your product offering and the customer journey changes and the customer's needs change yeah. y- you have to forever return back to identify those those moments of friction so that that makes a lot of sense yeah. um any other metrics when you t- I, we talk so much in the industry about connecting to business value delivering roi but are there any other frequent metrics that, that you feel are best in class to, to target when engaging with executives? You know, I mean, I think if you, again, take a step back and look at it from their perspective, any digital transformation, any product development that they're doing, the ultimate goal is to sell more, sell faster, or be more profitable or at the highest level. So depending on what the product is or what the solution is that they're trying to solve for, speaking to them in that language about whether it's, you know, sell more if it's conversion rate or if it's, um, uh, sell uh, sell faster if it's um, getting them to engage with your content at a high, at a deeper level to then take them to the next step, uh, or if it's to be more profitable by reducing uh, customer support calls, for instance, by having a better digital experience. I think you have to tailor those metrics that you're looking at to what those goals are that they're trying to achieve based on the business that they have. That that makes sense. Oh. Ultimately, it always needs to be fit fit for purpose. So exactly, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, otherwise, it's not relevant. Makes sense. As we as we heard in the video, involving executives in the research process can foster a deeper understanding of customer needs. How can UX professionals collaborate with executives to co-create research strategies 
participate in user interviews, and gain firsthand insights that drive alignment and support? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think you have to think about who it is that you're working with as a as a client. So if you're an internal uh, uh, employee or if you're an external consultant, you, you know, you're looking for a champion, you're looking for an influencer, you're looking for an executive sponsor. And so in that product or that um, project team or that uh, group that you're working with, can you identify who those people are? And then once you identify who they are, it's really saying, okay, um, as we're thinking about building out uh, a program or, or a study, what is it that each of these people needs from it so that we can then, when you say co-create, make sure that we're accomplishing or getting the outcomes that they're looking for, not the answers that they're looking for necessarily, because you know, you'll do um, research or uh, you may envision something and it may be totally opposite of what they're th- hoping for or thinking should be the right response uh, or the preferred response. And that that shouldn't be part of your that shouldn't be part of your worry, right? That should ultimately it is in a lot of cases, but it shouldn't be. And so as you think about um, the executive sponsor's goal, like really understanding what that what's going to move the needle for them is what's going to keep the funding in place. The champion is the one that's going to be breaking down the doors for you on a daily basis. And the influencer is going to be helping you uh, with the with the leadership across the organization. Um, so really aligning to what their goals are uh, to then run forward with the study, I think is, is critical. Um, in terms of um, getting them to um, buy in or participate, you know, a lot of times what we find is if you have... Um, uh, a moderated session going and there's a third uh, anonymous person there, the participant is hesitant to share, right? And so in a lot of cases, we don't have our client on the call or, or watching the, the session. We'll record it and allow them to play it back. And the video and the verbatim test or the verbatim uh, responses, I think are so powerful because when they see someone actually trying to do uh, a task or, or complete an action and they can't, and they're talking about it out loud, it oftentimes just clicks with them that, wow, what is the problem here, right? That's what we've been trying to tell you. There's a problem. Um, and, you know, like I said, once they get a taste of actionable insights that create value, it's hard for them to ever unsee that or go back. And that I think once they once you can give them a taste, then you can start going for bigger bites, if you will. So thinking about what are some of the low risk um, efforts that you can start with and ease them in um, so that you can get some quick wins. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. In terms of that iterative journey, easing them in, um, what about in, in terms of the market dynamics? I mean, so much of I, those three groups you talked about with the, um, the executive sponsor, the champion, a, as well as the influencer, how have you seen those needs change over the past year as, as the market's gone through quite a quite a bit of disruption? Yeah. The um in the last couple of years, what we've noticed is uh there's more and more openness and focus on uh the customer journey mapping and updating the personas. And a big piece of that I believe is with the pandemic, uh the shift to remote and to digital was so fast and so needed that post pandemic as as lives have 
quote-unquote normalized in a different way where there's some remote, some hybrid, some in-office if it's a if it's an enterprise tool or uh, where buyer behavior has changed um, or product products um, that are being purchased have changed um, because of that shift. That's actually caused them to really want to revisit the customer journeys and update the personas. And so um, there's more openness to that. And I think a lot of that, again, is driven by the focus on CX improvements, um, because that seems to be where there's a lot of investment happening. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, given the amount of change that we've seen over the past year, the idea that you really do need to take the time to double down on your UX and CX yeah. um, to ensure they're current, that they're resonating with your end users uh, it is a very powerful thought. Appreciate that. Um, similarly, uh, over over the past year, although it's not necessarily new to the market, the, the AI and machine learning is very much top of mind. Um, how, how do you feel that AI and machine learning specifically will change experience research? You know, it's so early for us that there's all kinds of speculation. There's lots of articles. There's lots of fear on some people's parts. I mean, you hear the um, the the on the far end of the spectrum. Oh my gosh, it's going to replace researchers, and I think that's not true at all. It it's going to enhance um, people that understand researchers that understand how to leverage it. It's going to enhance what they're what they're going to be able to accomplish in the period of time. I think that uh, product and tool companies. Um, like yourselves that um, enable research leveraging AI and machine learning is going to be very powerful because that's going to become a differentiator for your product versus your competitors. And I think the first place you're, you know, you're seeing uh, it used or, um, you know, a generation of some ideas in terms of the type of questions to ask or the type of research to be done or um, analyzing data and looking for patterns, but then the insights still need to be teased out by that researcher. And so, you know, there's all this promise of a machine will be able to do all of it, but, you know, it's still a human interaction. There's still people that need to be involved. And so understanding how to um, craft the right questions or ask the right questions and then tease out the right insights, I think is, um, you know, still years away from being done by a machine. What are your thoughts? Yeah, we, I agree with your thoughts there. We, I mean, we're very much focused on how can we use machine learning to further the researcher's job, to further suss out what are those consistent patterns of behavior, um, frankly, to unlock the ability for the researcher to scale, to, to perform more studies and provide more insights across the organization. But I, I'm with you. We're not at a point in time where AI and, and machine learning can on itself uh, unlock the, the breadth of insights required to improve that that customer journey. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Craig, thank you so much for being on the show. If someone wants to learn more about you or UpTop, where should they go? Uh, UpTop is, our website is um, uptopcorp.com and uh, we have a LinkedIn and a YouTube channel uh, as well, uh, corporately. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, under my first name and last name, and uh, we'd love to connect. Again, thanks so much, Craig. Really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find the show notes at usertesting.com slash podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play so you never miss an episode. 
And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, this is Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing.